and gentlemen, New York City, Andrei Bogoslavsky, almost 1 o'clock in the morning, so it's Wednesday, Wednesday, right? The 21st, December 21st, the, the solstice, oh my god, what a day, and this episode will be about something very important for every artist, you know, for, for good 30 years in New York City, I keep hearing from the most professionals, the, the top professionals in the industry, dealers, artists, one particular statement, and it sticks to my bones. And the statement goes like this. Your problem, you as an artist, is not the painting that went to the show, got sold. is not the, to get your next show. is none of the finished paintings. That's not what should be in your mind. What should be in your mind, what is your biggest challenge is actually the painting you didn't start yet is the blank canvas you're sitting there looking at this blank canvas let's say you have selection of blank canvases because you listen to my advice and you stuck up on materials anytime you sell something you stuck up on materials you know preferably so you always have a canvas so you always have paint so you always have brushes because not having materials it's like the biggest pain in my life well i, I, I never was in the circumstances i didn't have materials because i always since high school stuck up oh my god i committed like you know the crime of bribery of officials and drove away with a truckload of oil paints and was giving them away to my friends you know so uh, how to get inspired continuously as a creative person i start with a story from my high school you know since age 14 i moved out from my mother's home i was uh, sleeping in dorms for for high school students and i was going to culinary high school and almost every day after two after three i would walk about a mile to this big beautiful government provided studio with beautiful windows oh my god from the floor to the ceiling 12 foot windows you know yeah solid glass wall overlooking a little lake and the park it's a public park barely any people there absolute silence and meditation so the piece i found in this art studio while drawing and painting still lives primarily and the landscape outside the window analyzing the color perspective how to show branches that are closer to you by comparison to those three branches 100 yards away you know they look different they have less detail and the color is different and so on and how to to express different kinds of trees and it's not about being botanical it's not about being anal and photographic super realistic it's about consciousness it's about the skill of observation what's in front of you i mean what are you looking at you know if you need to develop this immediate spontaneous without thinking ability to take pictures with your eyes, with your memory. You meet the girl, you talk to her for five minutes and let her image stuck in your head so you will recognize her 10 years later on the other side of the world across the street. Literally, yes, you're a visual artist. You need to develop this part of the brain. So in my high school, my inspiration was 
not as diversified as, uh, as, as it is now. You know, in 40 years, I have learned how to entertain myself. My life was no boring in high school. You know, I was in the in in art studio almost every day, drawing, painting, probably the same still life was sitting there, you know, a rotten apple, couple glasses of uh, glass bottles, some couple different fabrics, piece of driftwood, and then a concrete brick or something to learn the, the, the textures, you know, the textures. Because to, to paint a brick uh, the way it is, so you close with your palms the rest of the painting and your eyes are only focusing on a brick texture, so you can tell it's not glass, it's not metal, it's some kind of brick or rock or concrete, you understand? So this is the skills you need to acquire first five years of your art education. And it's about consciousness, it's about the skill of observation, it's about paying attention to small little things, but also to be aware of physical properties of what you see, you know, it has distance, color changes with distance because there is more oxygen between you and the object. So the same apparently object mile away will will look absolutely different. It will have, of course, less detail, but the color will be different because there is more air between you and the object. Just like the mountains, you know, miles away, they're more bluish. They have this hue of blueness. Especially you can notice it in Leonardo da Vinci paintings. He was really proud of how he can paint 50 miles away and Michelangelo cannot carve 50 miles away. He can carve only here and now. You can go around the sculpture, but you can't see 50 miles away. And Leonardo had this other, other, you know, dimensions in his artwork, and he was bragging about it. And uh, so how to get inspired? Well, first five years, it's just pure education. Here's the problem if you don't receive education. Here's the problem if you don't follow the basic visual rules. You know, these rules were created over hundreds of years since the beginning of official art education, let's say, beginning of 19th century. We, we call it academism. But it was basically a school where experienced artists was giving you tips, was coming every day, looking at your figurative project, there, there's a new model sitting there and 20 students are painting this model and he would tell you, you know, your hair looks like skin. You're not showing hair for the texture of what it is. So if you don't learn these technical skills, those how to express properties of visible universe, it means you doesn't matter what your painting message will be. You know, you will be painting crucifixions, future of humanity, other dimensions, yoga, Tao Te Ching. You can paint, you know, the huge disaster, you know, cosmic future for humanity. If you don't know how to paint metal next to glass and next to empty space, let's say space, outer space, then people are not going to see it. They're going to see this goo heavy, looks like fabric or concrete space, which happened by accident because you didn't know any better. You see, if you don't put certain intellectual knowledge into your painting, it's not going to be there. People are not going to see more properties in your paintings 
than you intended to put in there. So if you know crap about composition, if you don't know that, that elements need to converse, this little thing on the left needs to have some relationship to this middle thing in the middle, and then there is this element on the right, and you, you're painting, let's say, steel life. It's not just exercise, it's a laboratory for you. First five years of your education, it's a laboratory of discovering the world visually. Visually, you sort of need to turn off your mind. This is why I became an artist and not an actor, not a linguist, not a sportsman. I became an artist because after school I would come to the studio and for three or four hours till dinner time I would be sitting mindlessly following the instructions I was given by my tutors, not, not constantly thinking about it, not every brush stroke, but mindlessly with your empty mind pursuing the actual physical education, right? But again, you're a creative person, you're looking for excitement, you're looking for something new. So where do you find inspiration? Most of people when they ask inspiration, they probably mean subject matters. So let's talk about subject matters. So I come up to the studio, you know, after five days of painting the same goddamn still life, and drawing it hundreds of times, uh, different variations, different angles with different materials, charcoal, pencil, you know, graphite, charcoal, and then uh, crayons, and then painting with oils, painting with watercolors, and it, it changing different techniques just to analyze this stupid still life. And it's the same, you know, it's sitting there the same for a month now. And, and I'm sick and tired, okay? I'm sick and tired. So I opened this book about uh, biology and I'm reading it. I had microbiology for four years about these bugs, these microbes, this, this bacteria and shit, you know, how they can make you sick because it was a culinary high school. So we had to learn hygiene and microbiology and how to clean the kitchen, how to keep restaurant clean and shit. So I love microbiology and the shapes of this bacteria and what they're capable of doing. It was so fascinating. So I had this little sketchbook, you know, I always had hundreds of sketchbooks and this is what I keep telling you, different sizes of sketchbooks. Let's say three inches by five inches, have few of those. Five inches by eight inches, have few of those. And then have 11 inches by 20 inches and have few of those. And just toss them around the house, keep them in your backpacks and just make it casual. It's really not a big deal. You're sitting in a public transportation in a bus and there's this old lady sitting uh, face to face to you and you're looking at her and you think, oh my God, what an interesting face. She's all wrinkled, she's all old. And as you look into her face, you sort of can read what happened to her in her life. She's 80 years old and she lived a long time. She survived two or three wars, you know. She raised grandchildren and stuff, you know. You pull out your little sketchbook and so she doesn't see what you're doing. You, you, you're making her face. You don't stare at her like stupid. You look outside the window, you glance at her face and whatever you can capture, you know, two, three lines here, a few lines later, and then she gets out of the bus, whatever you captured, 
it means your mind was paying attention to that. Her eyes, her wrinkles, her lips, her ears, her big nose, big eyes. This is what is captured in this five-minute sketch. And this is good enough. You captured certain portion of truth. And this is what matters. You're not a photographer. You didn't mean to take a photograph. You didn't mean to explore her pimples and, and you know, pores on her skin. No, it's not about that. Of course not. You, you, whatever your attention went to in this sketch, it's not a photograph. It's an impression. It's just a sketch. Then you get out from the bus, you're waiting for a second bus, and it's going to be here in five minutes. You pull out sketchbook again, and there's a beautiful tree, and on this tree there are all these stupid birds, and this is so bizarre. <coughs> it's winter, there are no leaves on the tree, and there are hundreds of these stupid birds, and they make this noise, and they shit everywhere. So you pull out your sketchbook, and you make a sketch of this tree. And then the bus comes five minutes later. You hop into the bus. So by the end of the week, you're going to have diversity of those sketches of different subject matters. And it will depict your life. This is your life. This is undeniable events in your life. And trust me, 30 years later, you're going to look at the sketchbook. You're going to look at the sketch with this old lady. And you will remember her. She is dead 30 years later. You remember every line on this sketch. This experience never goes away. I have sketches here in America. I picked up in Poland from my mother's house. I did, I have a painting, the oldest painting, when I was 10 years old. This three bears in a landscape. It's quite good, actually. <laughs> I have sketches from age 15, 16, 17, you know. So, and I, I remember when I did them. I remember who was the model of that girl, you know. She really had a crush on me, and I, she was so fucking ugly. I didn't want to really deal with her, but she was sitting for me, you know, reading a book. In a, in a studio, you know, after school, and that's cool, you know, I had a life model. And uh, so, you do what you, you in education, this first five years, you really need to learn how to express what's in front of your eyes. I'm in the bathtub, I'm looking at the toilet, and it's this shiny porcelain. And it's covered with plastic, and then there is a towel hanging next to it, there is a mirror. How do I paint or draw, black and white, mirror, and so it's different than the porcelain, and different than the plastic toilet cover, and different than the, the, the ceramic tile of the wall, and the towel, you know? When you paint fabrics, oh my God, you need to paint and draw, learn how to draw silk different from wool, different from cotton unmistakably it's not a, it's not a big deal do it casually but you need to learn this stuff because if you don't know how to paint the texture of sand on the beach you will be painting yellow spots it's not going to be the beach so don't even name this painting people on the beach because your people are not going to look like people they're going to look like stains of something and the beach is not going to look like a beach the color is not going to be captured the texture of the sand is not going to be captured by comparison to the sky etc etc so you need to learn how to, to, to paint things you see in front of your eyes so i'm encouraging you 
not to focus on realistic interpretation to become a, a hyper-realist artist. No! To learn physical properties of the world around you. And I guarantee, philosophically, metaphysically speaking, the more you learn about the world outside your skin, the more you will learn about yourself, including your psychiatric, psychological stage, your compassion, your discipline, your persistence, and your stubborn persistence to chase after reality. Reality, remember, happens only in now moment. So as you sit in your studio and you paint this still life or your cat that is asleep, you you are capturing now moment realistically and 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 this this is as true as it can get. You understand? It's like taking a photograph, but you're using your hand to express physical properties of the universe. And by definition, you're creating your own universe on a canvas. Because your brush strokes are interpretation of reality no matter what you do. Photograph is also interpretation of reality. It's not reality. It's a photograph. It's an image of the thing that happened five minutes ago or years ago. You took a photograph. So, what I'm trying to tell you, inspiration, when you get tired of these educational properties uh, I'm talking about, you are welcome and I encourage you to, to have break time, to, to, to watch a science fiction movie and come to realize that there are other dimensions and then these other dimensions are populated by aliens that look like octopus and here we go. And you're sitting there and drawing octopuses for the next two days. And as you get tired of drawing these octopuses, not from the movie, not coming from the movie, but your own octopuses, okay? With 25 legs and 200 eyeballs or shit like that. So you, you develop those octopus idea into another original state of existence. You, you go beyond what you saw in the movie. The movie was just inspiration. When you look at nature, you look at the tree at Delensky, it's an inspiration to create beauty. You're not here to, to copy the tree the way it is. You need to know the physical properties of the tree. It has those leaves. Those, those leaves are, they grow in bunches and the branches go also grow also in bunches. And the bigger branches are closer to the ground, smaller branches closer to the sky. So you need to notice, observe, and be aware and conscious of visible, visible universe. So, and then, you know, inspiration comes from within you. Let's say you're, you, you, you got stuck on the subject matter of a cat. Your sister got a cat and it's, a, it's, it's an amazing cat, so smart and it loves you and you love the cat. And you are into cats, okay? So you made few sketches, then you took some photographs, you made more worked out drawings, uh, analyzing the fur of the cat. So you're a little bit burned down uh, 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 analyzing the cat realistically, okay? So you pretty much, you already, you know, studied anatomy of the cat from Google and, you know, the muscles cats have and the different poses they take on, on, and, and how they run and how they fly and how they shit and how they eat. You did all of that. So you need, and you have those drawings on the floors, on the walls of this cat, okay? And then you come to realize that you're actually creating uh, 
something uh, uh, symbolically expressing your feelings about this cat. This is not a photograph of that cat. Your drawings, they're actually your fantasies about reality. So if this is so, maybe you should take it to another level. Maybe you should take just, you know, paint and pour it over paper or canvas. I recommend paper. First five years on your life. Don't waste your money on canvas. And pour it over and, and see if the, you can create a puddle of paint in the shape of a cat. Try that one, you know. And you did that, you did make 50 of those, and they're all very cat-looking puddles of paint. And then the day comes, you're sick of that too, and you don't want to go back to realistic, although you have learned quite a lot. And you made even two or three cats, you know, you even started painting his past lives. And then you get into future lives of this particular cat. And a cat in a spacesuit flying into another dimensions, into Andromeda Galaxy. This cat is a fucking hero. And then you think to yourself, I really love this cat. And, uh, you know, maybe I can sculpt something. So you go to the backyard, you dig out some clay, and you start playing with clay. You start, you know, making a little sculpture of this cat. And as you work on a sculpture, it takes a long time, you know. You need plastic to wrap it up after you're done every day, after a couple hours molesting the clay. You need to wrap it, spray it with water, with this spray bottle, like a Windex bottle with water, so it doesn't dry up, and then you wrap it in plastic real nicely. So tomorrow it's still not dried up. Okay, so you can continuously work on it. If you open it tomorrow and you say, eh, I really don't like it, I really want to start something bigger, bigger clay sculpture. So you, for the next few weeks, you're into sculpture this cat. And as you're almost done and tired of the clay sculptures of the same cat, two, three months went by, there are hundreds of cats all over the place, you think to yourself, huh, what a strange thing, I'm stuck on this cat. Maybe I should take some spray paint and go do graffiti on this nasty neighbor's garage who pissed me off. And you crawl in there at 3 o'clock in the morning and you paint goddamn cat, okay? Uh, in, in half an hour. And you run away, nobody knows who did it, you don't sign it, and your neighbor is real pissed, but... But the painting kind of nice, and neighbors say, wow, what a masterpiece, how much you pay for it. So what I'm trying to tell you, one subject matter can continuously bring you treasures of inspiration and stimulant. Stimulant. What you're looking for is the, the, the stimulant to have a reason to make a single line in a, on a page. Why are you painting this cat? Because you love this cat. And out of all the subjects you can think about, between pornography, crazy friends, alcoholism, and, and vandalism you did with your friends last week, you really want to paint your cat, okay? The time will come, you're going to be totally tired and done with the cat, and you're going to be angry at yourself that you wasted six months with the cat. You're going to pile everything under the bed, and you're going to start painting landscapes. But the experience of painting a cat will be satisfying experience because you exhausted everything you can think of about this cat. And this is how professional artists create a series of paintings 
it takes time, it takes few months. So one painting of a cat doesn't, doesn't cover the subject, you understand? So to dwell on the subject and develop the subject, it, it takes hundreds of drawings, hundreds of paintings, some sculpture, maybe even some waterfall installation. <laughs> I don't know, music installation, poetry about the cat. Incorporate poetry into your drawings. So what I'm trying to say, any subject that you're inspired, what inspires visual artists is actually the idea. What is the idea? Oh, you went to a ballet to see Nutcracker before Christmas and you came back home and your head is full of this these beautiful images of these people jumping all over with the music and and they're really hot cheeks and good-looking men and the music is so passionate it just blows you away and you start drawing ballet you start drawing ballerinas ballet then you start painting it then you elaborately start coloring it then you're sick of ballet and you start painting the composer Tchaikovsky right Peter Tchaikovsky and you paint his portrait then you paint him as if pretend he was composing Nutcracker, sitting somewhere in a cafe in the 19th century, or maybe, you know, drunk under the bridge, and he composed this Nutcracker. What I'm trying to tell you, that one subject matter, whatever it is, is it cat, Nutcracker, cosmology, origins of life, you know, extinction, future apocalypse, politics, war in Iraq and Ukraine, whatever subject matter, starvation in Africa, Pandemic is an infinite by definition because you can always Google the subject matter and it will always spit out something you never knew about it and you will learn more about the subject matter. There, there are science discoveries all the time. It inspires the hell out of me. Oh my God, there are new discoveries in paleontology. They found a rock that some hairy monkey carried into the cave three million years ago. And the little rock size of an apple resembles face. It has three holes, natural holes. They were not made by the monkey. So this monkey, three million years ago, nowhere near human, walked on two legs and lived in a cave, uh, carried this rock and, and cherished this rock, hidden this rock in a cave, like a few miles or 50 miles away. He carried this stupid rock that looks like a face. So three million years ago, some hairy monkey with the brain half of size of yours, no bigger than chimpanzee, thought he found some treasure in this stupid rock with three holes. Because it looks like a face. And I have to say, it does look like a face. It's in South Africa, right? If you want to Google it. So what I'm trying to say is it has been a long time and it's in your DNA to be fascinated by visual impacts. Everybody is visual. You know, you women fall in love because this guy looks cute. Men chase after a tail because she's hot. She's stupid, she's dumb, she's a drug addict, she's uneducated slob, but everybody wants to fuck her. Why? It's a disaster. Oh my God, this woman's future is gonna be a disaster. Don't even come near her, I recommend. But everybody wants to fuck her because visually she's appealing. And she, it's some sort of, you know, bizarre 
paradox of nature, you know, you know the, the stupid song, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, marry the ug ugly girl. Well, the girl you're going to marry doesn't have to be that ugly, you know, if she is a decent shape, you know, got pretty much the same qualities as this, as this hot, stupid, you know, drug addict girl. So what I'm trying to say, everybody is visual. Even Shepazis are visual. They sit by the waterfall and enjoy, like, meditation state of the mind, and they fight who sits closer to the waterfall. If you are not an alpha male, you get to sit, like, 50 feet away from the waterfall, <coughs> and the alpha male sits closer and gets better meditation time. What I'm trying to say is uh, the mammals, not only mammals, crabs and fish build all kinds of structures. Fish, like fish, build all kinds of structures, octopuses to attract opposite gender. So it's a visual impact we're talking about, visual properties, not to mention birds. They're, they're, they're masters of visual improvisations, plus dance, of course, and plus birds, songs. So it's the, this whole 3D package, better than any video ever made, what birds can do. You're a visual artist, you're, maybe you're doing an animation, but I'm talking about painting, I'm talking about something that doesn't move, that it's still, it's, a, it's this immediate impact of a symbol, whatever you're painting, whatever, a mountain, and you want to depict this mountain as the most glorious mountain full of glow, and, and, and so when they look at your painting, they will think, what a magical mountain it is. It, it sort of opens doors to the future of humanity. This is so inspirational. And the colors and the clouds and these little bushes here on the side. So you paint the mountain not to show a ski resort. You paint the mountain to, to transcend the spirit of beauty. And what you got, you got certain properties in the visual world, and you need to learn those properties. How big should be the mountain by comparison to other elements in this painting, by comparison to the clouds? How centralized should it be? Should, should there be lower or higher? How many clouds? How blue the sky should be? Etc., etc. You need to learn those. To, to manipulate those visual properties to express the spirit of beauty of this stupid mountain. And the same goes for any other subjects. You pick a subject to paint, whatever, toilet, you know, some toilet paper here, for a reason, okay? You pick your own subject matters for your own personal reason. I'm not going to tell you what to pick. I share with you what inspires me and for what reason it inspires me. But you, you, you choose this toilet and, and you, you want to paint this beautiful toilet clean. No, no, you want to paint toilet covered with diarrhea. And you want to express the human freedom of expression in diarrhea way. Because, you know, many artists paint like diarrhea, I have to admit. I look at the paintings and it looks like fucking diarrhea. <laughs> Nothing else to say. <laughs> so, what I'm trying to say, the subject matters you pick give you an opportunity to express your ideas, but also feelings about those ideas. So, you're painting, uh, like in the past couple of days, I'm into pouring paint over 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 paper and figuring out what the shape represents and then make few lines and to, to, to make sure the shape is transcendent and more clear otherwise 
So, so that's what I am into, and it's it's usually a figure of a creator and an artist. Usually, it's a model, my girlfriend, a beautiful woman. But it's all abstract. You understand? It's all abstract. So, the subject matters I pick, they're personal worry, personal concerns of mine. They really matter to me. This is my business. You understand? This is what I'm thinking about all day long. I think about Gaia tree and the forces of nature and the forces of Aphrodite and how it impacts my life. Who am I as a creator? Am I Shiva who creates the universe? I'm just some little guy who paints some kind of crap here. What is the difference between my creative process and the creative process of the universe expands all the time? How am I part of the life around me? So all of these big questions that you you need to, to, to resolve them, and in the process of, of doing creative work, you sort of like a dynamo, you energize yourself. The next step, the next step. You know, I'm looking at this two-year-old drawing right now hanging in a hallway with a big woman screaming face and an octopus size of a planet and a pyramid and a, and a galaxy and the moon, bizarre moon shape. And there are other galaxies, actually. So, come to think of it, you know, it's a holy shit composition. What was I thinking, you know? So, and, and I, I might get out from the bath now and, and continue this subject matter from two years ago. This is why reviewing your artworks might, might spark another shot on a subject matter. Then there's another little drawing pinned to the ceiling I'm looking at. It's a drawing where, three years ago, where I painted, it's a smaller drawing, a, a, a gravestone of mine. Like my own gravestone. What do I want to say on my gravestone? And Gayatri next to it, and the apple of Eden hanging from this Gayatri. And there are all kinds of grasses, and there are all kinds of shit is hidden in the grasses. So it's it's, it's a different ball game that this, this octopus with a screaming woman's face. So, and here's a landscape from 1997, just three brush strokes, small, small work on paper, but it's, it's so minimalistic, it's so expressionistic, it's so powerful, you understand? It's made with five few brush strokes and, and a knife and a, and a brush. So I might go back to this subject matter. Why not? You know, I, I loved the subject matter before. It's a night scenery of a winter lake. I, I used to live in Pigskill Lake for a, for a year. I rented a beautiful house. My studio was facing a little lake. And, and, and I might go back to this subject matter. Why not? It was part of me back then. It's still part of me. And it's a great inspiration. So your own works, your sketches from life, your ideas that you were inspired thinking about when you were 10 years old, something that happened, somebody stole your bicycle thing when you were 10 and, and you're really pissed about it and you were heartbroken and you want to paint this bicycle, go ahead, paint the bicycle, you know, or draw the bicycle. Let it be part of your artwork. Let your reality, one thing for sure, reality, everyday events are changing continuously. The nature of the universe is perpetual evolution, change. 
nothing stays the same. So if you source your inspirations from life, from what happens in your life, and you mix it from additional education, like I do science a few hours every day, you know, history, anthropology, art history, art criticism, and mythology, that, that, that adds to my con continuous evolution as an artist. It transforms me bit by bit, day by day, and before you know it, a few weeks went by and I'm a different person. Mentally, psychologically, educationally, I'm thinking about other things. You know, three years ago I was painting, you know, my own gravestones. Two years ago I was painting big screaming faces, women's faces with octopuses, size of the planet. You understand? So the subject matters evolve as you transcend to the next level of consciousness. Some, some artists ask me today if it's a good idea to switch technique from oil to acrylic. You know, from oil to acrylic, it's not, it's not a big switch. They're basically the same, except with oil, you can't build up big, tech, thick textures. With acrylic, you can, you know, take a, take a bunch, a handful of acrylic and slap it on a canvas, and it's going to dry the way you, you slapped it. And oil, you, if it's thicker than, than one sixteenth of an inch, it's going to wrinkle when it dries. So it's, if you like the wrinkles, yeah, do that. I know many artists who do so-called textural paintings, abstract textures, and they love those wrinkles. Oh my God, they can't wait. They use special chemicals to make it dry faster so it wrinkles here and it's not wrinkled there. So it creates this another dimension, you know, like 3D. So it's, it's, but acrylic and oil, it's not a big difference. But if you want a, a dramatic change, like I said, you know, switch from drawing painting to sculpture, you know, clay is real cheap. Go to art supply store, I think for 10 bucks, you can get like 10 pounds. Really high quality ceramic clay, you know, porcelain clay. There also, you know, you can always chop some wood, you know, get some sweat out of your system and create, you know, make a cat out of two by fours, cut and nails, and you can build a cat size of a dog or, I don't know, big cat, you know. So there's so many ways you can entertain yourself with the same subject matters. I know artists in, in New Mexico and... Uh, they, I know many artists who continued the same subject. I know, you know, one artist who started painting uh, Peanut Man, you know, this American advertisement, Peanut with a hat, tall hat and a, and a walking stick. His name is Clark and he paints the same shit for 40 years. I know him for 20 years. The same paintings. He's all over the world. He's on all the museum collections, modern art and everywhere. Very famous artist, you know. Small paintings, sometimes bigger. 30 by 40, I think the biggest he ever painted. The same subject matter, the same. And to me, it, it, it would kill me. I wouldn't be able to paint the same shit, you know. I don't know how Rolling Stones can perform the same song for 40 years. I know it doesn't come out the same, but I, I don't think I would be able to speak the same words and compose the same sentences, which I just 38 minutes. Holy shit, that's plenty. So basically, the inspiration, the very nature of inspiration is within you. So if you ask me what you get inspired, I just told you. Everyday life, you know, your relationships with your friends, with your family, 
that's an inspiration. Uh, your relationship with your girlfriend, with your spouse is an inspiration. Your walk in the park is an inspiration. You you know, you, you, you read a book about something, about King Arthur. That's an inspiration. Oh, my God. It's a great inspiration. Inspirations are everywhere. But, but the, the mo by the most part is life itself, everyday reality. Taking a bath is an inspiration. Thank you for listening.